0: Welcome to Downstage Center, a production of XM Satellite Radio and the American Theatre Wing. I'm John von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway.
1: And I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing.
0: We're very happy to welcome Tova Feldschuh today to the program. Tova is the entire cast of Gold is Balcony, a one-woman show on Broadway. Tova has earned over her her career, four Tony nominations for Best Actress. She has won four Drama Desk Awards, including one for Golda's Balcony, four Outer Critics Circle Awards, the Obie, the Theater World Award, and the 2003 Lucille Lortel Award for the Best Actress, also in Golda's Balcony. She's been in many, many shows, including among those many, the Roundabout Theaters, She Stoops to Conquer and Mistress of the Inn, Brooklyn Academy of Music's Three Sisters, the long-running hit, The Vagina Monologues. Roles on Broadway in Cyrano, Rogers and Hart, and Dreyfus in rehearsal. Off-Broadway, she has starred as Tallulah Bankhead in her own Tallulah Hallelujah. And uh, she is now the star of the longest-running play on Broadway, Golda's Balcony, which is about Golda Meir, the fourth prime minister of Israel. Tova, tell us a little bit about the
2: show, please. This play is about a mother lioness screaming for peace in the belly of war. It uh, is a retrospective on the life of Golda Meir, who was lived from 1898 to 1978, and in seeing her life, which starts under the staircases of Kiev, Russia, hiding from a pogrom to becoming the prime minister of Israel right after the 1967 war and through the Yom Kippur War of the fall of 1973, we see also 100 years of European Jewish history and the the reason obligatoire for the birth of the state of Israel, which was created not only by the United Nations in 1947, by 33 nations for, 13 against, but was in fact created from the planetary guilt of the murder of six million Jews in the Holocaust of World War II.
0: And in right. spite of all that, the show does have its funny moments. <laughs> it does indeed.
2: She had a great sense of humor because how can you not have a great sense of humor if you're going to go through that every night? I've done it for more than 400 performances, and it's uh, it's not just a play. It's a cause. It's a cause in, uh, in support of pluralism, in support of democracy, in support of, d- of a democracy struggling to exist in a sea of absolutism around it. It has five governments, which are not democratic, that surround it. And despite all, she was uh, Golda Meir. Though she was born in Kiev, was brought up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and she was very, very uh, funny. As a matter of fact, uh, when I went to when I went to Milwaukee to uh, research at the, at the Golda Meir uh, Library at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, my girlfriend said to me, "Do you know why Golda helped found Israel?" And I said, "Why?" She said, "Because she wanted to get out of Milwaukee." <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now you mentioned researching her. I think most American Jews knew something of Golda Meir if they were alive during her lifetime But how much did you know beforehand, and how much did you go out
2: and research once you were offered the opportunity to do the show? Howard, I researched a tremendous amount. What I knew was what every Sunday school Hebrew school child knew, that she was the uh, first woman prime minister of Israel and one of the few women prime ministers of the last century. The other two notables, of course, being Indira Gandhi and Margaret Thatcher. But I wasn't being offered those roles. (laughs) I was only being offered the prime minister of Israel. And... uh, as a result, I went deeply into her life. I started at the Museum of Television and Broadcasting right here in New York City, which is right next to the 21 Club. So you can go to the museum and then you can go <laughs> have a nice lunch at the 21 Club or have a $52 hamburger. Quite quite <laughs> convenient. Yeah, no, it's, it's a wonderful – it's actually a wonderful restaurant. My uh, child, uh, Brandon Levy, is celebrating his 21st birthday and our gift to him is we're giving him a small dinner at 21. Wow. In all events um, – uh, I started there at the Museum of Broadcasting and Television. The most important thing I located there was her speech pattern. I'm mm. quite astonished that other actresses who have played her did not pay homage to the fact that she was, in fact, from the Midwest of the United States and she was as solid as the bricks of Milwaukee and the beer of Milwaukee. She had that ballast, that Midwest ballast. She was not flappable. She was a, a feeling good person. You know, she would, but she was a rock of Gibraltar. And um, it's a very interesting way of talking. And when you <clears throat> see her talk in her tapes, because uh, this Midwest American English was her second language, she also makes some small, subtle grammatical. Uh, mistakes, even when she's, you know, talking to President Nixon. It's very, very interesting. So I started there, and then we opened off Broadway, and we played for four months, and we closed, and we were brought on the wings of the love of the critics and of uh, sold-out houses to the Helen Hayes Theater in October of last year, and we're just looking at our first anniversary. I mean, we're now in, in our, going into our 10th month, and we certainly hope to spend over a year on Broadway and plan to do so. Uh, but if you love us, come this summer, <laughs> because this August will determine whether we run through October or whether we run through December. It's, well, it's,
0: judging from the other night when I saw, which was on a Tuesday night after your final bows, your curtain calls, you addressed the audience and you made a comment about thank you all for coming out on a Tuesday night, a full house on a Tuesday night. Yes, I was very it pleased. was Every seat was taken.
2: I was very. Uh, very pleased. And uh, I think the, it was an honor to be nominated for the fourth Tony and that the Tony Awards gave a lift to the theater all the way around, just national exposure, because without our public, we're nothing. This is commercial theater, and it is the game of being excellent enough to get the derriers in the seats night <laughs> after night, to win them from other activities and from the movies, if you'll forgive me, though I love movies too, and get them into the Broadway theaters.
1: I want to go back to the issue of creating golda both this show and you creating the character because you commented this is it's certainly a figure that many people know you're not you're not playing a historical figure that people can't see films of there have been other actresses who portrayed her. I was just, as you mentioned it, Ingrid Bergman, who I imagine didn't do a very good uh, Milwaukee accent, played her a number she, of years ago on television. She captured the soul
2: of Golda, and she actually won the Emmy for her work posthumously. She died uh, soon after she made it. And she's an exquisite actress, but really when I f- finished watching it, I thought she was from Scandinavia. <laughs> you know, it just was wild. And and also other actors who, who have played her in the past have not... Uh, she is viewed as this old Jewish grandmother so maybe they they assume she talks like this well she doesn't talk like this she doesn't come from there She she talks like this and it's very important she's also a chain smoker and she's got that what we call a fry. You're the fry in the voice. That's from smoking. a lot of smoking.
1: And in fact, this show is adapted from an earlier play that William Gibson wrote about Golda.
2: Did you know that version? Had you seen that? Yes, in- I did see it. We all ran to see it. It only ran three or four weeks. It was, uh, it was on the 73 war. It was done soon after the 73 war. It did not have the advantage, the dramatic advantage of Demona, which is the nuclear question that Israel uh, faced in Right after Eisenhower forced Britain, France, and Israel back from the Suez Canal after Nasser nationalized it, right after that, France gave uh, Israel the atomic secrets and helped them build their own nuclear reactor, uh, and uh, God forbid, uh, uh, helped them uh, uh, procure, not procure, build weapons of, of mass destruction to defend their very life which is called the Samson option. The Samson option was written. As you know, Samson brought down the, the 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 temple on the Philistines. He killed himself, but he brought his enemies down with him. And this play faces that question, that if somebody's going to annihilate your country or you are in the uh, sh- the possibility of actually having a country annihilated because they were outnumbered 10 to 1, do you use weapons that could severely <coughs> Damage the enemy. It's a terrible decision. And it's the choice between conventional war, which, of course, Israel stuck to and has always stuck to, or a limited nuclear war, which none of us have touched, thank God, since Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Well, what,
0: what's interesting is, although it's a one-woman show… You are not alone on stage because there are projections of the historical figures involved.
2: I do, and I play these about 30 other people. And
0: you do very good accents of people like, you know, uh, Henry Kissinger and Moshe Diane and David Ben-Gurion, and their images are projected on the, on the set, on the scenery right, behind you. Right. So it really livens it up and gives it a very interesting historical perspective.
2: That was a very big choice. The piece was written as a narrative, and I, I'm a one-woman show artist. I have a, play, a piece called Tove Out of Her Mind, and even Tallulah Hallelujah, where I play Tallulah Banquet, but I also played the people in her life. I always believe, like Lily Tomlin, about stepping into the shoes of other people. So whereas sometimes Gibson would write, William Gibson, the playwright, who also wrote Two for the Seesaw, The Miracle Worker, he's a fantastic playwright, uh, where he would write, and then I did this. I said, Mr. Gibson, may I say, and then I do this and then do it. And he said, yes. So I became Morris. I became Abdallah. He has a very uh he has a british accent he's very very well educated so in those days all the jordanians and all the the royalty were extensions of the british Empire so they were sent to Cambridge and in oxford
0: and in a sense by you becoming those characters for a few moments here and there it kind of recreates the history and ties it together
2: yes and it it's 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 a it's a dense piece it's an historic piece uh uh it it is a piece that every person who's educated should see. It's a piece that the Republican Party should be, see, the conventioners could see, because it supports a Republican president, President Richard Nixon, and the airlift that he sent to Israel to save the life of Israel, and he was responsible for that. Kissinger was marvelous, but holding back, and Kissinger said, enough. Let's send them what they need, and if we're going to send them anything, we're going to be condemned by the world. So let's send them enough so they can win their war. And that's what Richard Nixon did. He was always a great internationalist. I'm not saying I'm any Republican, but I say the Republican delegates should come and not just go see musicals on Broadway. (laughs) For shame, for shame.
1: You're talking very passionately about the history of the play. How much do you find that – do you think audiences are learning this information for the first time? Do you think you're playing to people who knew this and are having it
2: refreshed? I think people are learning this for the first time the way I did. The dense erudition of uh, William Gibson, how he lived with Golda Meir and studied her and dug up the details of her life, uh, that she had lovers, that she was a utopian socialist – that she was mad for her husband; he was her soulmate, but it, the marriage was sacrificed in order to build the Jewish state. That the children were often left to Morris and to relatives while she ran around for Pioneer Women, trying to raise crucial money for Israel. Her her most uh, her turning point trip was when she raised fifty million dollars to save the Jewish state in January of nineteen forty eight, in a famous speech in Chicago. Boy, she says. Uh, She says, um, you have two choices. We have only one. You cannot decide whether or not we will fight. We will. But you can decide one thing. You can decide whether or not we shall live. Kills me even when I say it now. And that America came through even then and these wealthy um, people wrote checks and she went back to Israel with $50 million in order to supply her country with armaments to fight uh, uh, armies of, uh, of Syria, Egypt, Jordan. It was a disaster. They were surrounded by people who wanted them and unfortunately still want them in the sea. But uh, it's... uh I don't think it's going to happen. I, I always say at the curtain nowadays, particularly since we're in an election year and I can't wait for the Republican delegates to come see Golda's Balcony <laughs> on August 29th. And if you need a 5 o'clock matinee, call 9975399 <laughs> and I will do one for you. That's, That's in the, the 212 1 2 1 2 1 2 2 area 1 code. 212 <laughs> 9 9 9 9. my angel Republicans. My father fought under Eisenhower in the war. He was in G2. He's a great Eisenhower, right? In all events, this um, play... Uh, I have actually lost my train of thought let's go to humor when Henry Kissinger balked at sending Golda Meir the, the airlift in 1973 he said to her first of all I am an American secondly I am Secretary of State of the United States lastly I am a Jew she said that's fine Henry we read from right to left (laughs) <laughs> so she was very, very uh, funny when, uh, Gen- when President Nixon came to her after the sixty-seven war and said, "Madam Prime Minister, I'd give any three of my generals for your General Moshe Dayan." She said, "Great, I'll take General Motors, General Electric, and General Dynamics." <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's it's this play has a lot of humor in it, and what's more, I Tova Felchew, who love you, the American public, love a good laugh. So I'm in constant I seek the humor in every piece I do because, boy, I tell you, we need a good – we need some good laughs these days.
1: You, you've you obviously made your plea to the Republicans. What about um, – have you had student audiences? You mentioned uh, before we got on the air about a study guide, and I'm wondering how – Young people respond to this because so much
2: of this is new to them. Some of my favorite performances are the student performances. Uh, first of all, I'd thank you for the asking this. First so I want to say what you don't yet know yet, Harold, but because of the student demand... Uh, the last Thursday in July and all the Thursdays in August, that's five Thursdays in a row, we're putting in a special matinee. We're going to play Wednesday at 3, Wednesday at 8, Thursday at 3, Thursday at 8, and they're going to be special student tickets. Have If you have your ID, you get them for 25 bucks, which is nothing for Broadway. And we have another special. If a parent comes and wants to bring his child who has a student card between 10 and 18, that child can come for free. So educating. The kids love it because it's such a palpable way of learning history. You come in the theater at at 3 o'clock. You're out by 4.30. You've learned 100 years of history, and I'm doing it for you. And then there's this extraordinary DVD that sells in the lobby done by award-winning documentarian Yves Girardi-Sombert called The Journey to Goldest Balcony, which is narrated by the wonderful Alec Baldwin and sexy Alec Baldwin, if I may so-so as well, um, ladies. So this is about uh, me preparing for the role of the prime minister. It takes me into the dressing room. You see me put on my fat suit, my false legs, my false hair, the false prosthetic nose, all the aging makeup. And then it also, you see interviews that I had with two prime ministers, with generals in the field during the 73 war, with her personal assistant, her personal assistant, Lou Kadar, Kadar told me a story in an old age home in Israel. To prepare to go to Broadway, I continued my research—the research that started the museum—and went to Milwaukee. Between July 13th and September 22nd of last summer, I traveled to Israel to do a research trip, where I went to every place she was. I went into And that's p-
1: after you'd done the show at Manhattan Ensemble. After Theater? I'd done it
2: 120 times. At, uh, yeah, for four months. Yeah, yeah. After I did, after I did it at Manhattan Ensemble Theater. But you know, I say, stay in the tunnel. And we all know that uh, Broadway ain't for sissies. You have a tremendous, tremendous competition. And we know our tickets aren't sh- cheap, even though Gold's Balcony has many summer specials and as many of the smart shows do for the summer because we want people from outside our city to come and be with us. It's a, uh, it's a, And we want Christian groups and African-American. Mayor Dinkins is going to come. Very excited about that. Okay. Um, we're getting some African-Americans now, thank God. Mm-hmm. And we're getting some Christian groups, which is wonderful. But for the children, it's the, it's the best of all. It's, this is good from age 10 and up. And boys, you get a lot of bombs. It's a, a lot of explosions. It's very, very exciting stuff. And uh, you also get an education about the perils of, of, of war and the need for negotiation and, uh, and peace.
0: Well, there's a family of four sitting directly in front of me with a boy. He must have been about 10 or 11, a girl, about 8 or 9 perhaps. These kids were on the edge of their seats the entire – I mean, they, they, they never lost interest. They never yawned, I could see. They never showed any, you know, disinterest in the show. They, they were riveted the entire show.
2: Well, I am thrilled. And for, for them and for anyone, Thursday, July 29th, Thursday, August 5th, Thursday, August 12th, Thursday, August 19th, and Thursday, August 26th, we are on at 3 o'clock and 8 o'clock. Um, what else can I tell you
1: well i'll tell you what let's um let's say i want to ask one more question about golda, and then we're going to segue and talk about some of your other work. but I do want to ask you you talk about playing all of the characters in this show, but you and but you are encased in being golda. You talked about the fat suit and the makeup. Is that restrictive for you as a performer? Does that free you? Are you Golda
2: playing those people? Are you Tova Feldschuh playing those people? You're supposed to be Golda playing those people. It's a very subtle and difficult difference. And what I wanted to do was to do Golda playing those people, but it wasn't good enough. So I tried to just become those people and then allow the fat suit, the legs, the prosthetics, And my general, uh, the the hub of the wheel, which is this speech pattern, you know, it keeps coming back in. And then I would differentiate from it. For instance, she says, and I met King Abdullah. Well, he says, the Jews are so so inventive in Palestine, bringing the swamps, the deserts to life. You know, uh, it's... uh, tell me how, how you do it and she says well it's very easy we pray every year for 2,000 years next year in Jerusalem you know so she, the contrast is what I needed this DVD captures the rehearsal process captures the backstory of Gold's Balcony and actually is the only piece it sells for $30 in the lobby of, 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 of scenes from the play it does have scenes from the play um
0: uh, you, you know what's so interesting? Tova Feldschuh, the woman, versus tov- Tova Feldschuh, the actress, as Golda Meir. So totally different. I mean, out of makeup, out of costume, out of prosthetics, totally different person. You would uh, never imagine. This petite, beautiful yeah, woman. Yeah, very, very glamorous woman, very glamorously dressed. And here you are on stage looking like an 80-some-odd-year-old woman. Uh, and just a total transformation, not only physically but also emotionally. Really, the the person, the character, which she, is amazing. She's
2: taught me so much, yeah, John. Yeah. She had such balance. Such equilibrium. And she she wanted, she understood, because she started with a pogrom, she understood death and dying. She was hard as a rock except for one thing. She said, wake me up night or day if I lose a boy. Wake me up for the casualties. You know, I, I almost can't say it. And then we had this situation here where the President of the United States wouldn't even allow the filming of the caskets of our boys coming home. I want every American to know that I take up every obit of every American soldier that has been lost in the Fertile Crescent and in Afghanistan, and they are on stage left with me. I have a picture of 800, now over 800 soldiers, mm-hmm. and I dedicate each evening to a different human soul, one of the honored dead. Anyway, she she understood that. She, she understood that, that loss of life was a terrible, terrible thing.
0: And... It, I think it's late in the play, as I recall, that the title has actually explained what Golda's balcony
2: Lord. means. Uh, I want you to come see this, but basically, she says she has two two balconies. In forgive me, I have two balconies in my life. This one has a view of the sea, and she's talking about her balcony on Har Street in Tel Aviv when she went back to work uh, for the Histadrut. She went back to work for the Labor Zionist Party as a secretary. Incidentally, Zionism is not a terrible word. I know it has been attributed to our consciousness move- movement as being uh, something that should be Nazified. It's, it's the most disgusting twist of fate that the enemies of Israel would, would uh, call Israel fascists. All Zionism is is the right of the Jewish people to exist through purchase and legal acquisition in a state of their own and uh, if you study the Holocaust and what happened to the Jews after the Holocaust on the Long Road home where they were in Bergen-Belsen for another year, you can see that they need a postage stamp on which to live and breathe and be left, left to be. But it's funny. This play keeps leading me into these major geopolitical issues. Um, it's the greatest role of my career because she has the greatest bar of contribution as a human being. And she really walked the walk. The greater good was what made her heart beat Two days after she resigned the prime ministership, she was back in her little, little house in Ramat Aviv and walking to the movies. They said, Madam Prime Minister, you're walking to the movies? What are you doing? she says, well, I don't drive, and I'm not the prime minister anymore. I'm going to the movies. <laughs> so a student stopped and picked her up and gave her a <laughs> lift. Oh, man. And on
0: that lighter note, <laughs> as how said we should maybe segue into Tova the person as opposed to Tova the actress. Would be good. The, uh, well, oh, oh, the, tova other, I the dev- other Tovas. Yeah, <laughs> the I just said the,
2: other- the other balcony is another balcony in oh, Right. Demona, and if you want to know what Demona is, come see me at the Helen Hayes Theater on Broadway, <laughs> N- now through through Labor Day, and we hope, uh, of course, uh, through hope, the fall. Hope for that
0: October anniversary.
2: That's right. We, what, October third will be a year on Broadway, and, and we're, we're gunning for, or hoping for, to play uh, uh, more than a year on Broadway.
0: Well, I'd like to be able to to play something for the audience that's representative of your work, and you also, not in the show, but you also sing.
2: I do sing. I'll be singing December 6th at the Jazz at Lincoln Center uh, with Tova Out of Her Mind. Very excited about that.
0: Which happens to be the name of a CD. That's it. Tova Out of Her Mind.
2: Characters from 8 to 80, comic and dramatic, most of whom sing. But actually, I think we're going to play the the capper piece, the encore piece, which is uh, I did Peter Pan at the Municipal Opera and in Boston and Philadelphia with the great George Rose, now no longer with us. He was Captain Hook. And, of course, Peter Pan... uh, sings neverland i have a place where dreams are born and time is never planned it's not on any chart you must find it with your heart never neverland and it's about that that song is a metaphor for the dreams that each of us hold and the visions that we have and how we have a right to fulfill them and if we do it will keep us young
0: On XM28 on Broadway, Howard Sherman and yours truly, John von Seusten, chatting with Tova Feldschuh, who you just heard singing Never Never Land.
1: Now, Tova, I was reading up on you before this. Of course, I've known your work for years, but I did find something I found very
2: jarring, and I have to ask for any actress. Terry Sue Feldschuh? I Was Born, Terry Sue, I Grew Up in Scarsdale. That's actually on a, another recording I have uh, called uh, Tova Crossova from Broadway <laughs> to Cabaret. The extraordinary Gerard Alessandrini, who wrote all the Forbidden Broadways, wrote me a song. Oh, I Was Born, Terry Sue, I Was. I'm from a mother – I'm from Lily Felshew, and her sister's names are Nancy, May, and Rose. My grandmother was British. So the choice? Of, to, to Did you actually I fell change in your love, name or did you take I this changed on my name. I purposes. changed my name. Yes, I, I took it on for professional services <laughs> because the equity already had another Terry Sue Felshew. So <laughs> I changed <laughs> my name to Tova. You never right, know. Right, right, right. Um, uh. I changed it. I, I was at Sarah Lawrence College, my beloved alma mater, and I fell in love with a boy who wasn't at Sarah Lawrence, one of the boys' schools up in Connecticut. And he said, what kind of a name is Terry Sue? I said, "Well, I was called Midge. Can you imagine for Midget? I was called Midge on the basketball team. I'm five one. I'm, I'm the basketball, basketball team. I was on the basketball team. <laughs> <Sarah> Lawrence. <laughs> no, I was the on the basketball contenders. team at, Quake, at Quaker Ridge School. Okay. I couldn't. I couldn't make basketball. I couldn't make the varsity. Not even close. It's carside, but we had a wonderful basketball team. We from third through eighth grade. We were undefeated. And one of our basketball players has become a professor of women's studies at, at Tufts University, and she's writing about the basketball team. But Mr. Slainer and Mr. Felchew, my father, were the coaches. Anyway, I changed my name for him. I said it's Sunday school, I I was called Midge for basketball, but I was called Tova in Sunday school, in Hebrew school, and he went, Tova, now that's a name. And of course, my Hebrew name was always Tova. I was named after my Aunt Matilda, and that would have been a very horrible moment to be Tilly Felsho. I would have (laughs) take (laughs) the challah knife, stick it in my heart, and twist it. But uh, I became Tova Felsho and didn't realize its ethnic reverberations because my name changed after Sarah Lawrence, My last document is Terry Sue is my graduation, my diploma from college, even though people were calling me Tova by then. But well, when I got to the Guthrie, Tova's a Danish name, so they all thought I was from Scandinavia. They thought it was mm-hmm. Tova Fj, <laughs> T O V E F J with a so slash. You were covering several ethnicities I at once unwittingly. I covered several things. You know, I was in wonderful, wonderful cove. It's like uh, Danny Kay. And then when I got to New York, it was then that the Jewish uh, mantle fell on my head. And I, being a like an interested student, like anybody else, I studied up. I mean, I. It brought me great luck, this name. It, it it brought me some limitations that I've had to break through, but I have played Tallulah Bankett, and I have played um, Sarah Bernhardt, and I have played Catherine Hepburn, You know, I've played some marvelous roles, some of which I had to fight for. Uh, but others, like uh, Dreyfus in rehearsal, my dramatic debut under Garson Kanin as my director, I was recommended by Howard Feuer, and it was the, the part of Miriam Polodnik, It was the ingenue lead in that play, and it was going to star his wife, Ruth Gordon. And he looked at the name Miriam Polodnik and Tova Felsho and Garson said, "With a name like that, she's got to be right." <laughs> and that was it. He didn't. He didn't audition me. He interviewed me, and he gave me the part. It's crazy, crazy
1: <laughs> stuff. You know, crazy stuff. Now. Your work as a solo performer, you came to cabaret, that wasn't kind of cabaret performance and solo performance, that wasn't something you were doing from no, the very start. That's never. past 10 years, 12
2: years now? Well, actually, our beloved and brilliant Jack O'Brien was directing me at in San Diego at the National Shakespeare Festival, and we needed a show to raise money for scholarship kits. So we did Tova, a rush hour review, and from six to seven, Jack O'Brien was the supervisor, David Friedman was the musical director. Um, Rick Atwell was the director. And Rick Mitz, fabulous writer, was the writer. And I, we all fashioned a show where it was original characters, 8 to 80, comic and dramatic, that sing. And that was the first rendition. The only thing that's left in Tova out of her mind like that is the black rapper, watch out, Puff Daddy. Or, no, no, we love Sean Combs. He came to Broadway, he gave a real real lift with, with to Broadway, it's wonderful to have in this season, was uh, the black rapper that I do and Grandma Ada from the Bronx, this old character. But that originally to help San Diego raise money. Then it was invited to the Guthrie. Then it went dormant. Then I was doing Lend Me a Tenor, and uh, my dear friend Julie Wilson just had gotten Legs Diamond. She dropped out of her Algonquin engagement. I had just signed with APA, Roger Vorst, the head of APA, who does tremendous amount of personal appearances, is one of their specialties, said, Tova, do you have an act? I said, well, I have this thing from Jack O'Brien, you know, about 12 years ago. He said, I've got you dates. So I said, I don't so really have an, an act. He said, can you do six weeks in four weeks? I said, no. He said, can you do four weeks in six weeks? I said, yes. So I then went to Wally Harper and I said, I've got dates at the Algonquin, but I really don't have an act. And I showed him my material from Tova, Rush Hour Review, and that became Tova Crossover from Broadway to Cabaret. It was extremely well-received at the Algonquin. And from there, we had Tova, Party of Ten, The Bridges of Westchester County, which was me in a Chanel suit leaning on the asses of two cows. And then finally, Tova, Out of Her Mind, which opened at the 91st Street Playhouse in 1996 for a three-week limited engagement and played ten weeks and Tova out of her mind has gone to London it made its West End debut to Hong Kong to Sydney and it will be December 6th at the Jazz at mm-hmm. Lincoln Center at 59th Street that beautiful new theater
1: so do you like creating your own shows or do you do you, at this point or would you rather still be in the show that somebody else is writing for you
2: I want to be in anything that's good and <laughs> Tova out of her mind has been around since 1980 so really on and off. For some of the characters are 24 years old. Sylvia Chronic of Cottage and Coffee, which I did for the American Theater Wing uh, luncheon. Good morning. This is a radio show host. Good morning. This is W-Y-O-Y. Yoy, 24 hours, all depression, all the time. I'm Sylvia Chronic. I hope you're miserable. Anyway, (laughs) um, that's a very young character written by Larry Amarose. Again, one of of the great Rick Mitts and Larry Amorous are just the the two blessings in my life. So uh, I love doing one-woman shows for one reason, not because I need to be on the stage all the time, because I have children and I need to mother them. And when you're in a one-person show, with the exception of Golda's Balcony, which is not only not written by me, but we're in a commercial Broadway run. Uh, however, it's only 85 minutes long. But this gave me the flexibility to mother Brandon and Amanda. And Amanda's young still. She's just going to 11th grade. Brandon's a junior, just finished his junior in college. But it gives me the flexibility. I would love to take Golda's Balcony out on the road in one night stands in uh, concert version all the sound cues uh, some of the lights the costume the makeup my darling Trevor McGinnis who does the makeup and, and uh, hair so brilliantly and um, none of the projections and we go I did it in Montreal to save the uh Ales, and I'm doing one night for uh, a big closed uh, concert November the first in Dallas Texas and you could start the tour in Milwaukee I could start in Milwaukee, and I'd love to start in Milwaukee, and I know if there's a national tour, they're absolutely going to Milwaukee because it's karmically right. And we also have the Milwaukee Group, headed by Cindy and Jerry Benjamin. They're major investors in Goldest Balcony, and we love you, Milwaukee, and we thank you for your support for Goldest Balcony.
0: Now, besides being an actress, an entertainer, and a mother, you've also been a supporter of uh, Seeds of Peace. I have.
2: I those That is a camp program, a leadership program, which takes Palestinian and Israeli youth. It really takes children from areas of conflict, Pakistanis and Indian children, Palestinians, uh, uh, Arab Israelis, and Jewish Israelis. Interesting there's a distinction. And trains them in leadership qualities up in Oxford, Maine and hopes that one of these children, who they take at 12 and 13 years old and remain the seat of peace for the rest of their life, will break through into the diplomatic and political scene, and we will have people who have known each other and who will break bread together and not break bombs or uh, slice each other up.
1: You, you are so passionate. I think about so many things, and I notice the number of organizations that you do work for, that you've been honored by. That it's extraordinary because, you, as you say, you're balancing just the work that you have to do as a performer. It's your job. Working is, you know, obviously taking care of your
2: kids. What you, all of this other commitment. Where, where does that spring from? From the Talmudic pro, uh, precept, which I didn't learn in Hebrew school, but I learned when this the Jewish what I called it the Jewish mantle seemed to you know, we're, you know it's easy we're, we're so busy everybody's lives are busy so it's easy to pigeonhole so with Tova Felshu, people assumed I was an Orthodox Jew and all I was was a cheerleader at Quaker Ridge School off of Weaver Street you know uh, uh, uh. but I remember getting Yentl Another part, which was such a, by, directed by Bob Calvin, written by Isaac Singer, adapted by Lynn Apple, and wonderful play. And I remember having to study the Talmud and the Torah. He, she, he was an Orthodox Jew, and it's all about if you give up your clothes, your feminine identity, do you lose your soul? She gave it up to become a scholar, follow her dreams. This principle of tikkun olam is rather well known in the Talmud. It says, every human being is born onto this planet for the purpose of healing the world. For going for the greatest level of contribution, and uh, all sorts of religions talk about this. The great tragedy is that I'm sure the Muslim religion, the Muslims talk about this too. Islam talks about this, and this this whole thing has been perverted into beheading people, which is the most disgusting, barbaric. I feel like I'm with the Visigoths. In all events, I show up. The, the racket for charities are, if you are perceived as famous and you are asked to show up for an award at a luncheon, if you say yes, then they can sell tickets to raise money for cancer research. Now, I know this racket, and it's nice that they feel I'm honorable and I want to be honored, but I'm just giving my name to help them raise the dough to save lives. That's my job. as a, Just as a, pe- as a person, as a, as a mensch, you would do the same thing. I know you would, and so would you, John. So when it's asked upon us, instead of saying no, you say yes, and you show the children, uh, Brandon and Amanda and my beloved Andrew, uh, my husband who's a saint. It's not often a Jewish girl gets to live with a saint. The guy is an unbelievable guy. Uh, he, uh, that you, you got to walk the walk that people are in need matter of fact what I try to do is support some groups that are not dire not just people dying in the Sudan I'd like to support the gay men's uh, chorus too you know I do what I do what I can so I try to show up where I can and the greatest thing about being on Broadway is that you're in the center of your community that people need you because of your perceived value that season on the boards up on the marquee and so if you can show up, it's great. Great time, as long as the kids are okay and Amanda can get her chemistry homework done. It's great. Well,
0: Tova, with everything that you have done professionally and also off stage, what is there that you still have not done that you would like to do? What would you like still accomplish?
2: Um, on the small scale, if you will, on my little, my own little speck of dust life. <laughs> Mind you, Horton, here's a who. A person's a person, no matter who's, how small. It's a small speck of dust. Uh, I would like to go from Golder's Balcony into uh, into television or film. I know that's much too general. I would actually like to star in a series that shoots in New York that has some social value. And it hit me as I was dreaming of this today eh, with my yoga teacher. who comes <laughs> to the house twice a week. Um, that I would probably have to come up with an idea. And then go to my allies, uh, one of whom I, w- I hope is Dick Wolf, on whom I've uh, been on Law and Order every season since the beginning. I'm the, o- I think I'm the only only actor they invite back once once a year, every <laughs> year, like Peter Pan. I mean, many many people. I, I worship. That you got show. into some
1: ethical trouble last time, though. Where is there? Yeah, I got you shot too. Oh, yeah. yeah so.
2: No, it was wor- the ethical trouble was worth it. We got the Emmy nomination. <laughs> 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 anyway, I would like to do a series here in New York, shoot it at Chelsea Piers, and have it have some redeeming value I also fantasize about I- I doing a biopic about Ruth Bader Ginsburg mm. I think she'd be I hope she'd be mm. interesting she sure the heck is brilliant um, Catherine Graham I think that one is taken already but that's what I'd like to do I'd like to come up with an idea of a series that's also funny listen if I could find a sitcom that had redeeming value mm. I'd do that too I mean a lot of them uh, were hilarious and, and it's marvelous and so that's what I'd like to do I'd like to lend my abilities to a national media, to be honest with you. And, of course, I would then uh, return to Broadway. And, uh, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, Broadway audiences love it when you star in media things. Mm -hmm. It helps sell the house. uh, Raisin in the Sun, uh, case in point, Mm -hmm. despite its excellence. It, It was sold anyway,
0: you know. Any final word, final thought before we go?
2: Yes. For all of you... Never give up, as my father would say. Fall down seven times, get up eight. And reach for the stars, because if you reach for the stars, you may land on the roof. You reach for the roof, you never get off the ground. Come visit me at Golda's Balcony.
0: Well, Tova Sue Felthu. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My mother will love you for that. Lillian, Lillian will love you for that. Thank you so much for joining us today on Downstage Center.
2: Great pleasure, great honor.
0: I'm John von Susten.
1: I'm Howard Sherman of the
0: American Theater Wing. Please join us again next time. Thank you.